We've been in the book of Daniel now really for a number of weeks, and we're going to be taking a look at Daniel chapter 9. The first six chapters of Daniel, he is the revealer of dreams. But in 7 through 12, God gives him dreams about the future, his future, his people's future, and he is perplexed. It's another test in Daniel's life. And he begins to pray and ask God, God, what does this mean for me, for my people? And we're going to focus in on Daniel's prayer. And we're going to understand how or the kind of prayer that God answers. I mean, if you and I are going to pray, we ought to pray the prayer that we know that God's going to answer, right? And so this prayer is one that we're going to take a look at when you and I are perplexed, especially about our future. So I want to jump into this. Take some good notes. Six steps that we see in Daniel's life that give us certainty about the prayers that we pray. Number one, let God speak to me before I speak to God. This is what I call the listening step. You listen to the voice of God. Now, how do you do that? Well, let me, I'll explain that. But first, you must understand this, that God always makes the first move. You don't. God is the initiator and you are the responder. We love because God first loved us. We give because God first gave to us. We serve because he first served us. God will never ask you to do anything that he hasn't done himself. You will never hear him come to you and say, you know what, I've never done this before, but I want you to do it. No, he initiates and we respond. And this is true when it comes to praying about your future. The reason we talk to God about these types of things is because he has spoken to us. How? Through his word. The Bible was written over 3,500 years by 66 different authors, and it contains over 7,000 promises in regards to your future. He has told us about them first so that we can talk with him about them. And so prayer doesn't start with us talking first, it starts with you and I listening first. Now, how do we listen to God? By reading the Bible, by listening to what the Bible has to say. By allowing God to talk through his word, folks, you and I will begin to understand how to pray, when to pray, what to pray, and where to pray. Daniel did this. Now remember, last week in Daniel 6, he was 82 years old. We started out this book in Daniel 1. He was 15 years old as a POW, and he went through all kinds of tests, starting at the age of 15, and then mid-20s and 30s, and then 50s. And now, in Daniel 9, he is 85 years old. He has been promoted again and again and again by various administrations, the Persians, the Babylonians, the Assyrians, okay? He is old, and he wants to go back home. 
he is wanting to know what his future is and he longs to go back home. He knows that God has spoken about this out of Jeremiah. In Jeremiah it says that you, Israel, will be in captivity for 70 years and he knows the time is approaching. But he also knows that his people are not ready. And he is in a quandary. Daniel is afraid that God is going to leave them in Babylon. That he isn't going to be able to go home and nor is his people. And this is how it starts off in Daniel 9, verse 1 and 2. It was the first year of the reign of Darius the Mede who was made king of the Babylonians by Cyrus. During the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, was studying the scriptures. I learned from the word of the Lord, as recorded by Jeremiah the prophet, that Jerusalem must lie desolate for 70 years. Jerusalem was destroyed by the Babylonians, but it, and it wasn't going to be rebuilt until 70 years later when God's people would eventually come back. And notice how he discovered this. Will you circle the word study? And circle the word learn. Study the scriptures and learn from, from the Lord or the word. Folks, you and I will never be effective in our prayer life until we study and learn the word of God. If you are ignorant of God's word, if you are ignorant of the promises of God, you won't know how to pray for your future. You won't know when to pray for your future. You won't know uh, uh, where to pray for your future. You have got to read a little bit of the Bible to understand this. Now, when we start this new series, if you want to get a text from me at noon, Monday through Friday, you need to sign up for that. If you're already signed up, you're going to get these because I'm going to start sending out verses that you can begin praying over with this new series. Get in the game. It's all about relationships. Now, Jesus talks about the importance of God's word. In John 15, 7, it says, it said of Jesus, if you stay connected to me and my words remain in your heart, what's he talking about there? He's talking about being in God's word. You may ask my request, you may ask any request you want in prayer, and it will be given to you. In that short little verse, he gives two conditions for prayer. If you are praying and you are not seeing God answer your prayers in regards to the future that you are wanting to see, you need to check out these two conditions. You need to ask yourself, am I connected to God and am I in his word? Am I connected to God? In other words, is there anything between me and God? If there is, you gotta clear that up. And then secondly, are you in his word. God says, if you are connected to me and you are in my word, then you can ask for whatever you want and it'll be done for you. Now, your future is so important. I would suggest that you do what Daniel did. And that is that you do that three times a day, morning, noon, and evening. Honestly, folks, I just don't pray when I get up in the morning. I have my QT, my quiet time then. I talk to God throughout my day constantly, constantly. And so you have to talk to God. Men, if you will do this, you will be a more courageous man. You will be more confident. 
Women, if you will do this, I guarantee you, you will be more courageous and you will be more confident as you walk in to your future. I guarantee it. Now, Daniel is worried that this crisis of God's people not being ready may prevent him and them from coming back to Jerusalem. And so he starts to read the book of Jeremiah. Daniel, you may not know this, Daniel and Jeremiah were contemporaries. The Babylonians came in and they took a third of, of, of the Hebrews off to Babylon and Daniel was one of those. But Jeremiah stayed in Jerusalem, a broken city. And Daniel, wanting to encourage his heart, starts reading Jeremiah 29. Let me, let me read this. God says this to you, you will be kept in Babylon for 70 years, but then I will keep my gracious promise to bring you back to your home again. For I know the plans that I have for you, says the Lord. I have good plans for you, not plans for your disaster. My plans will give you hope and a future. Folks, we all know this verse, don't we? God says, I've got good plans for you. It's in regards to your future. They're good. I want you to prosper. Folks, we know that verse, and we want that verse for ourselves, do we not? But we often leave off the last part of it. Notice what it says. In those days when you pray, I'll listen. Now, I want you to pay attention to this. God made you for a purpose. He has a plan for your life. It is a good plan. It is a plan to prosper you. But you can miss it. And most people do. He has promised that he will rescue you. He has promised that he will deliver you. He has promised that he will get you home. But there are two factors that are involved in you fulfilling the very purpose and plans that God has for you. One is God's timing, and the other one is your praying. Now, let me explain this. God says, I've got a plan and a purpose for your life. I am not gonna cut short the plan. It's gonna take 70 years, but don't worry about how long it's going to take. It's gonna take a while, but it is a good plan. And I will get you back home. But when you get back home, guess what? You're gonna have to pray. And when you pray, then I'm gonna listen. Now, I want you to notice something about this verse. God is sovereign. He is in control. You and I aren't. He is the one that determines the times, the places, the events of our life. But when the timing is right, guess what you and I have to do? We still have to pray. But he's not going to do it until you ask. James says you have not. Why? Because you ask not. God 
has a timing. Now, this leaves a quandary oftentimes in our life, does it not? How do I know when I am waiting on God to fulfill his promises for me? On the other hand, how do I know when God is waiting on me? How do I know when I'm waiting on God? Or how do I know when God is waiting on me? Folks, this verse explains it. If I've asked God to do something great in my life, and there is nothing between God and myself, and I am in his word, as far as I know, every, I'm doing everything that God wants me to do. Like Jesus said, if you're connected to me, if you're in my word, ask and it'll be done for you. If, I, if, I, if that is the case, and it's still not happening, this preferred future that I am looking forward to, then it's about God's timing. On the other hand, if I want God to do something great in my life, and I've never asked him, I've never sought him out, asked for his guidance, for his wisdom, then God is waiting on me. It is not just about the what. It's about the how. So let me ask you a personal question in regards to your future. What is it that you are really wanting in your relationships or your marriage or your career or with your family and kids? The first step is to listen to the voice of God and then to speak. The second thing that Daniel did that gets an answer to prayer is this. You focus your attention on God. Daniel 9.3. So I turned my face to the Lord God, seeking him. Well, you circle the phrase, turn my face. Husbands, this past Friday, I celebrated with my wife 45 years of marriage, okay? As I like to say when she's not here, and she's not, she's serving the children, she has been blessed. When she's in my presence, I say I've been blessed, okay? This is a counseling situation, and we're going to keep it right here in this room, right? But I have learned in 45 years, when Cheryl talks to me, she likes me to look her in the eyes. She likes that. Why? Because then she knows that she has my undivided attention. Do you know that you can do that with the Lord? You can turn your face to God. How? Physically. By looking up. You can look up and say, God, you got my attention. You and I, we're connecting right now. Nothing in the Bible says that you have to close your eyes to talk to God. You can look up to God, okay? In fact, the Bible says that you and I need to pray at all times, mean, meaning that you have to do that in the car. And I would suggest that you do not close your eyes in the car. It will not be pretty, okay? You can physically look up to the Lord and it's a reminder to you, God, you've got my attention. 
And this is what Daniel says in Daniel 9.3. So I gave my attention to the Lord to seek him by prayer. Will you circle the word seek? Folks, this is the second step in assuring an answer to prayer in regards to your future. Daniel was the revealer of dreams, <laughs> one through six. But now God gave him a dream and he's perplexed. And so he prays, seven through 12. First you listen, but then you seek. Why? Because there's a lot of benefits for doing this. Let me give you some. Amos 5, 4. Seek me and you will live. You won't exist, you'll live. Proverbs eight seventeen says, I love those who love me and those who seek me will find me. You're gonna find who, who God is. Jeremiah 29, 30, you will find me when you seek me with all your heart. There's a condition there. Uh, Hebrews eleven six. 6, God rewards those who earnestly seek him. You will get all kinds of rewards. Jesus, Luke 12, 31, seek first God's kingdom before anything else. That means make sure God's kingdom is priority, number one. And all the other things you need, we all have all kinds of needs, don't we, will be given to you. Folks, you and I probably don't realize this. But much of the stress that we have in our life is the result of us not seeking the Lord. It's not asking God for his wisdom, for his guidance. And so as a result, we get stressed out. We, 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 we find ourselves in pain. We go out and we buy things that we shouldn't buy with money that we don't have. And driving on roads that aren't even paid for with $22 trillion of debt, right? Or we marry people that we haven't really sought the Lord about, and as a result, we're in pain. Honestly, I really believe most of the problems that we experience in life is a result of not consulting God. It's not having conversations with God on a daily and regular basis. And you want to know what God becomes when you and I don't do that? He becomes the Burger King God of the universe. You can just have it your way. Hosea 5. Let me read this. God's speaking to his people and he's telling them that they haven't sought him. And notice his response. I will return to my place on high and I'll wait until they, that is his people, you and I, acknowledge their offenses and feel their guilt and seek my face. Then in their troubles and distress, they will earnestly seek me, saying, let us return to the Lord so that he may heal us. That's a description of our life, is it not? Hey, is everything's going great? God? Oh, yeah, yeah. I might go to church. Yeah. But I tell you, when you hit the bottom, all of a sudden, bam. Do you think that's going on in America right now? What is God doing? He's the Burger King God of the universe. I've had people ask me this about the future. God's just saying, have it your way. See how it works. See if it'll work for you. And it'll continue that way until we get to the bottom. Sometimes it takes a painful situation to make us change our ways. So let me ask you this. What needs healing in your life? God, 
I need my body to be healed. I need my marriage to be healed. I need my, my, my family to be healed. I need my finances to be healed. I need my vocation to be healed. Let me ask you a few questions. Is it possible that the stress and pain that you're going through right now is the result of you not having conversations with God? Let me ask another question. If you could paint your new future, what would it look like? And the third question, is it worth seeking God over on a daily basis? Listen, seek. The third thing is this. Express my desires with emotions. Prayers get answered when they come from our heart that where there's emotion involved. As you and I seek God physically, emotionally, vocationally, relationally, financially, so many of our prayers are wrote, are they not? Cut and dry, rub-a-dub-dub, thanks for the grub, go God. Now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. I mean, we sound like Eeyore of Winnie the Pooh, right? There's no emotion. You know what? God doesn't care how beautiful your words are or how many of the words that you speak. What he cares about is the emotion that's in it. God is an emotional God. And he wants you and I to express our emotions. Do you realize that God is emotional about you? He doesn't come to you and say, I guess I have to love you. I love you. No, he loves us passionately. He has deep, deep emotions for you and I. The Bible says that he shouts at us with shouts of joy. Does tone make a difference in your requests? Sure it does. Forty-five and a half years ago, I was on the doorsteps of my father-in-law's place, sitting with my wife, or sitting with Cheryl, not my wife then, and I asked her to marry me. I was nervous. You could hear it in my voice, okay? But you could also hear the passion. I didn't say, Cheryl, will you marry me? (laughs) Cheryl, I'm going to give you a chance to marry me. (laughs) No, I said, Cheryl, will you marry me? And obviously she said yes. Now, if you ask God about something, folks, he listens to your intensity. God, I've got to have this and I've got to have this now. Daniel comes to God with this kind of intensity. Take a look at verse three. And I began pleading with God earnestly in prayer. Will you circle the word pleading? That means asking with emotion. He didn't ask in a mundane way. He didn't ask in a dry way. He is seriously seeking God. Please, 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 God, with sugar and candy on top. God listens to the intensity in our hearts. 
In Daniel 9.3, again, he says, I poured out my heart, bearing my soul to God. That's what the message says. Have you ever done that before? Have you ever poured out your heart to God? There's some people in my prayer group that do that. I'm always amazed. This is not wimpy praying. This isn't mundane praying. This is prayer with, praying with courage. God, I've got to have help right now, God. In my marriage, with my family, with my kids, with the finances. God, I am pouring out my heart to you. I am being authentic as I possibly can, God. I'm trying to be real with you. You see, let me ask you this. When was the last time that you did that? You've probably forgotten. You know when it was? It was when you were in pain. In deep, deep pain. Because you and I oftentimes don't really pour out our hearts until we are. Can you do it at other times? Sure. It's what the Bible calls crying out to the Lord. Crying out to the Lord is an all-inclusive thing. It's not just you crying out for yourself and your preferred future. It's also crying out for those others that you want to see them experience God's preferred future. That's what we're going to do this Wednesday. It's going to be a night of celebration. Night of worship, we're gonna sing songs and we're gonna pray. We're gonna pray about ourselves, we're gonna pray about our families and our kids, and we're gonna pray about our city and our church and the community that is around. This is what Daniel is doing. He's saying, God, I want to go home. It's been 70 years, but God, I want your people to come home as well. Now, Jeremiah talks about this. In Jeremiah 50, 4 and 5, notice this. It says, then my people will join together in tears, that equals emotion, to seek the Lord, and they will ask the way to Jerusalem, and they will start back home again. That's touching, isn't it? They don't know the way home, and they're crying. God, show us the way home. You and I need to pray that same kind of prayer. God, my life is a wreck. I need you to show me the way home. My marriage is a wreck, and I need you to show me the way home. My career is a wreck, and I need you to show me the way home. My kids are a wreck. God, you gotta show me, God, how to get home. All of these are ways that you can pray. Now, when does God answer a prayer like that? Circle the word tears. When you feel it, that's when he answers it. So let me ask you this question. You know your personal world. I don't. And I think we all know what's going on in our outer world. Does anything break your heart to where you cry? I'm in McDonald's this morning and I see a homeless lady walk by. 
I couldn't find her. I got in my car and started trying to find her. I talked with the management. Yeah, she's here every Sunday. Doesn't smell very good. Looking for food. Broke my heart. Does anything break your heart anymore? When you see, the, see our world going to hell in a handbasket, does it break your heart? If not, you've moved from the heart of God. This is where Daniel is at. The fourth thing that I need to do is I need to demonstrate my seriousness. When you start to pray about your preferred future, you need to signal to God that you're not playing around, that you are dead serious, that you want to see it happen. This isn't some whimsical prayer, okay? No, God, I really want this to happen. And Daniel does this in three ways. Two of them are cultural, and one of them is universal. Take a look at Daniel 9.3 again. And I started fasting and went without food to show my sadness. I put on rough clothes, that is sackcloth, and sat in ashes. Will you circle rough clothes and sat in ashes. Those are two cultural ways that Daniel was demonstrated his seriousness. The universal way will you circle the word fasting. Jesus says, you know what? There are some miracles that we long to see happen that only come through prayer and fasting. Not just through prayer, but as we fast. Why? Because God wants to see how serious and desperate we really are. Now, I don't have time to talk about fasting, but it is throughout the Bible. Moses fasted before he got the Ten Commandments. Israel fasted before they went into battle to possess the Promised Land. Nehemiah fasted to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. Jesus fasted to overcome temptation. There are times when God calls us to to demonstrate some seriousness and say, God, we're desperate. And I hope we come as a church because our kids just came back in school. And we're not just going to pray for our lives, but we're going to pray for our families, for our kids. God, protect them physically and protect their minds and hearts in Christ Jesus. And God, help us to reach our changing demographic that's going on here. The fifth thing that ensures an answered prayer that Daniel did that leads into communion is this, I need to thank God for his love and his promises. The Bible says that when you and I come to God, we come to God with thanksgiving in our heart. Uh, Word for communion is Eucharist. It means to give thanks. And when we come in just a few moments, we're gonna give thanks to God. We're gonna give thanks that God is up, that he is above us that he is God and we're not. We're gonna give thanks and understanding that he's God and we're not. We're gonna give thanks for what's within, that we're human and that he has accepted our humanity. We're gonna give thanks for what's behind us, that, he's not only, that he is not only God who's prepared the way, but he has fulfilled the promise by sending Christ to die on the cross. That's happened 2,000 plus years ago. We're gonna give thanks for that which is around us. Look at this. We're family, and we're one. And this is something that's instituted throughout the world. Everywhere I go on mission trips, we take communion together. 
And we're gonna give thanks for what's ahead, the future, because Jesus says, one day I'm gonna come back and we're gonna take this all together. Wow, isn't that glorious? And this is what Daniel, in essence, is doing. Take a look at Daniel 9.4. Then I said, Lord, you are a great and awesome God. You're always fulfilling your promises of constant love to those who love you and keep your commands. Look at Daniel 9.9. Even though we have rebelled against you, you, Lord, are merciful and forgiving. And so Daniel thanks God. Ushers, come on down. As a spiritual family, we're going to do this. We're going to thank God that he is up. Let's go ahead and pass it out. We're going to pass out the elements and let's wait. And we'll take them together as one family. Like I said, it's a time to reflect and to thank God for what he's done. We look up. God, you've prepared the way. Before the foundations of the world, God knew that we would rebel. And he started working in, from Genesis all the way through the Old Testament to prepare the way. And as we look up, we can't but help not to look within. And we see our humanity. We see our brokenness. And yet we can rejoice that God understands that we're human, that we're not God, that he's God. And then we look back. Because 2,000 years ago, he fulfilled that promise. He died on the cross for your sins, for my sins. Sins that we confess before God. We'll see Daniel do that in just a few moments. And then we look around. That's why we're waiting right now. Because we're going to do it as one body. And then we look forward. Jesus said, one day, I'm going to come again. And as he said in Luke 22, I'm going to offer these things to you again. Can you imagine that? That's our future. God has overcome our sin, and one day, he's going to overcome the world. And we will rule and reign with him throughout all eternity. And we will take these elements together. What a great future. I'm looking forward to it. And so let's just take a moment and reflect on these things.
For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Oh, the bread, sorry. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. Lord, we thank you that you are up, that you are God and that we are not, that you see the end from the beginning and that you prepared a way for us because, God, you knew what we were like, that we would be broken and that we would fall. And yet, God, you've accepted our humanity. You love us so much so that you sent your son to fulfill the promise of dying for our sins. And today, God, because of that, we stand before you as blameless, as spotless, as a part of your family. We are one family. We are your sons and daughters. And God, we look forward to the future that you're gonna come back someday and that we are going to see you face to face, that we're gonna be able to hug you, to shake your hands, to put our arms around you, to walk with you, to talk with you. God, we look forward to that. And we thank you that it's assured because you resurrected from the grave. We give you this in your son's name. Amen. Well, Daniel did a fifth thing. He just didn't thank God for who he was. But understanding who God was, he humbly confessed to God who he was. Will you write this down? God doesn't listen to our prideful complaining, but he listens to our humble confessing. God responds to humility. The Bible says that he resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. And this is what Daniel does. In Daniel 9, 5, 6, he says, we have sinned and done wrong. We have rebelled against you. Will you circle the word rebelled? He's beginning to be specific. We have rebelled against you and ignored, circle the word ignored, your commands. And we rejected, circle the word rejected, your laws. In other words, we've come up with our own morality. We have refused, circle the word refused, to listen to your servants, the prophets who spoke your message to our kings and leaders and parents, to, to everyone else in our nation. He is humbling himself and he is confessing and he is confessing specifically. And in essence, he's saying, you know what? We're all at fault. From the top to the bottom, from the bottom to the top, we're all, it, we're all at fault. And he just starts pouring out and humbling himself. Look at verse seven and eight. 
We have brought disgrace and shame on ourselves because we've been unfaithful to you. This is true of all of us, including our kings and leaders and, and parents. He says, we've all committed spiritual adultery. Verse 10, we paid no attention to you when you told us how to live. In other words, you told us what was right and what's wrong, but we came up with our own rules. The clear teachings that came through the prophets. In verse 13 and 14, we kept on sinning, never giving you a second thought, oblivious to your clear warnings. So you had no choice but to let disaster loose on us since we persistently and defiantly ignored you. And then he summarizes, now all the other nations mock us. Daniel is humbly confessing. Now Daniel knows that he doesn't deserve God's blessings on his life, of knowing the future that God has for him and his people. And so he falls on the grace of God. Verse 18, oh God, listen to me and hear my request. We do not ask because we deserve help, but because you are so merciful. You see, God is a good God. And he is good all the time. And we begin to understand this certain future that God has for us. Not through constant complaining, but by humbly confessing. And God shows his mercy and his grace. And how does God respond? 9, 20, and 23. While I kept on praying and confessing my sins and the sins of my people and pleading with the Lord, he wasn't just praying this one time. He was praying this over and over and over again. Suddenly, the angel Gabriel appeared in my vision. Gabriel is one of the three archangels that does God's bidding. Lucifer was one, and we know he fell. And then there's Gabriel and Michael. And Gabriel comes, and he appears to Daniel and says, Daniel, I have been sent to help you understand God's plan and God's purpose for your life. The moment you began praying, an answer was given, and I am here to tell it to you, for God loves you very much. Is your future worth seeking God after? God has given us an example out of Daniel's life. And if you and I will do it Daniel's way, we will see God reveal his plan and his purposes for our life. Not because we deserve it, but rather because God is a good God, and he is good all of the time. I look forward to next week and the weeks ahead as we begin to pray this thing up Wednesday and see what God does in our church and in our community. Let's pray. Lord, I just thank you 
that you are a good God and that you are a good God all the time, that you have plans for us, plans for our welfare and not for our calamity, to give us a future and a hope. And God, we know that this prayer of Daniel's is a prayer for us because you have said in 2 Chronicles, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and call out to me, I will hear their prayers. God, we are your people. We are called by your name, Christ followers, Christians. And God, you have called us to hear you, to listen to you, to look to you, to seek you out, to humble ourselves, to cry out to you, to, not, to cry out not just for ourselves, but for our community, to humble ourselves. And as we do, you're a gracious God and you work. I thank you for the promises of God that are in your word. God, I look forward with eager expectation the things that you're gonna do in my life, in our church, and in our community this year. We lift this up to you in your son's precious name. Amen.